What were you doing when you were 11 years old? Whatever it was, do you think it was shaping the person you are today? Not philosophically, I mean directly. Was the 11-year-old you learning skills you'd need to be successful in the job you're doing now? Very few people would answer yes to that question. Russell Aldridge is one of them. Russell had been a tinkerer and a builder his whole life, and eventually that passion led him, like many entrepreneurs, to take a leap of faith. I said, I'm thinking about quitting my job and starting a company in the garage. What do you think? And she said, well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we could lose everything and have to move back to Utah. And she said, well, we don't have anything and I'd love to move back to Utah, so go ahead. There's no doubt that the company Russell was starting was a gamble. He called it Sisu Cinema Robotics and wanted to build robots that could do, well, pretty much anything. He'd had some practical experience, and yes, as an 11-year-old, Russell was learning the skills he'd apply to this company. But now, Russell was a father and a husband. He'd already uprooted his family once to walk into the unknown, and now he was asking them to trust him again. What led Russell here? And how has Sisu evolved from that roll-of-the-dice idea into a company that is revolutionizing the film and television industry? Welcome back to The Journey. Let's dive in. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com pivot. We're all born with innate skills, traits, and curiosity. That manifested itself in Russell in the form of a mechanical mindset. From an early age, he was fascinated by anything with an engine. I was very interested in in cars growing up. My favorite thing to read was uh, this 1968 auto repair manual that I found in my parents' basement. Let that sink in for a minute. While most kids were out playing with friends or reading something like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Russell was hanging out in the basement reading a car repair manual. Most adults, let alone preteens, would think of that as some form of punishment. But Russell was enthralled. His parents noticed this early passion and encouraged it. Russell's dad in particular nurtured that mechanical mindset he saw in his son. 
In fact, instead of telling Russell that he needed to wait until he was 16 to get a car, Dad leaned into Russell's budding passion for mechanics and bought 11-year-old Russell a broken-down pickup truck. His dad, being a Chevy guy, figured it'd be the perfect gift. He said, I'm going to get you a Ford so that we can work on it together all the time. It won't work. So fixing that up while growing up, that was kind of what growing up was for me. To Russell, a broken-down car wasn't a stressful problem, but rather a creative opportunity. Each intricate system and tiny part was something new to explore. And as Russell got older, it became clear that a key part of his success stemmed from seeing those kinds of challenges, staying calm, and treating them as an adventure, rather than being put down when tough challenges blocked his path. Necessity has always been the mother of invention, and in Russell's case, this idiom has played out time and again. As a young man, Russell knew he needed to put himself through college, and while he lacked the good grades and scholarships, he did have drive and passion to make the most out of his life. He took up any work he could find to pay for his education, including tapping into some of the experience he gained in his earlier years tinkering with cars and welding. One time I went to the construction yard and there were these three semi-trucks and my boss, and none of them worked. They were all overgrown with weeds and filled with bugs. And he said, I want you to make one working truck out of these three semi-trucks. And that was my job for the summer was to put together a working semi-truck. We got it all figured out and working out in the field with the, with the wrench. And it was a lot of fun. And so when I went to apply for jobs after that, this list of, of real world experience that I had working on things was what really helped to get me a job after school. Once he graduated from Brigham Young University, the real world came calling. But Russell didn't take the expected route. No, he was more apt to do things differently. That's how he wound up at National Instruments, a multinational company based in Austin that produces automated test equipment and virtual instrumentation software. I saw them at the career fair. They said, do you know what we do? I said, I, I think you guys use LabVIEW quite a bit, which was their software. And they said, yeah, we, we make LabVIEW. And I said, yeah, oh, good for you guys. I love that software. So it didn't start out really good. Actually, when they called me for an interview, it was a bad day. I didn't feel like going, but just really felt like I needed to. So I called back and had the interview. And my wife and I, we didn't know a soul in Austin. We felt like that's where we needed to be. And so we put our three-month-old baby in the U-Haul between us and drove down to Austin for an adventure. At National Instruments, Russell got to work designing products. And it was doing that job that he first met his future Sisu co-founder, Mark Christensen, who worked in product support. He and Mark got to talking and they found that more often than not, customers would call up with one very particular problem. So people would call in and say, hey, I love these robotics products you guys have. Who can help me integrate these? Who can help these, me make these work for my business? And we'd say, you know what? There really isn't anybody who specializes in this right now. And so that's kind of the niche that we left to fill. We wanted to help other companies be successful in the world of robotics using equipment from National Instruments. Clearly, there was a need. And Russell and Mark thought they were the guys who could bring a solution to the market. But before Russell took that step, he had to have a conversation with his wife. I said, I'm thinking about quitting my job and starting a company in the garage. What do you think? And she said, well, what's the worst that could happen? Well, we could lose everything and have to move back to Utah. And she said, well, we don't have anything and I'd love to move back to Utah. So go ahead. And with that, they were off to the races. And by races, I mean hot and sweaty Austin, Texas garages, where every day at four o'clock, the mosquitoes would add an extra element of pain to their work days. 
Mark's garage was our office. That's where we design everything. And then my garage was where we would build everything. What was neat about it was that uh, the startup costs were pretty low. We each bought a laptop. We bought some hand tools to be able to assemble machines. And really for a few thousand dollars, we got started. I remember, I think we had $10,000 in the bank and we thought we were rich and we could live forever and we'd be okay. And that went very fast, but it all, it all worked out. This isn't to say that those sweaty, mosquito-laden summer days that turned into long working nights were a dream come true. They had moments of doubt and times when the work they had spent days or weeks on would crash and smash and break. But Russell still had that I-can-fix-anything mindset. And it was that perspective that allowed the duo to persevere. You have to be confident that you can succeed at something, but also pliable enough to change direction when things aren't quite going right. One such moment came when Russell and Mark finally got the green light on a big project they had been pitching to Intel for nine months. It had been a while since they had heard anything from Intel, and the business bank account was creeping towards zero. So they had been desperately adding small jobs to their workload in order to make ends meet. They had enough work to keep them going for a bit, and that was when Intel came knocking at the door. Intel liked the robots that Russell and Mark had pitched, and the company wanted the pair to create a robot musician. If you're familiar with Animusic, they make a bunch of animated music videos. They had this one video going around the internet for a long time, years ago, with these these balls that would shoot out of these pipes and hit instruments and make sounds. And everybody said, there's this big debate, this is real, no, it's not real, it's it's CGI, and And so we saw that and we thought, what if we built this for real? What if we actually built it? So that was the idea. It was a crazy idea. And Intel came back and said, yes, we want you to build that. And oh yeah, Intel only gave them a few months to make it happen. To make matters even more complicated, Mark's wife was about to have a baby. By the time the deadline rolled around to bring the robot to Intel, the duo was scrambling. I packed everything in the truck. It wasn't even working when we packed it up, but we had to go to the show because it had a deadline. Mark went to the hospital to see his wife as she had her baby, and then he flew out. We were bad husbands. He flew out to meet me in San Francisco. We pulled it out of the crate, did some tweaks. Magically, it it started working. Russell's problem-solving ability proved successful once again. But it wasn't magic that propelled the pair forward with Intel. And it wasn't magic that helped Sisu take its next step as a company. Through hard work, 80-hour weeks, and grinding through setbacks, Russell and Mark had proven that the robots they made worked, and now it was time to start scaling. And as it turns out, it wasn't going to get any easier, and there was no movie magic that would allow them to fast-forward straight to success. More after the break. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. Look, if there's one thing that all small business owners know, it's that keeping customers waiting just doesn't work. So UPS has unveiled their fastest ground shipping ever, getting you to customers in cities across the U.S. up to a day faster. And now Mission Podcast listeners can save on UPS's fastest ground shipping ever with the code SOAR, S-O-A-R. Small businesses around the country trust UPS to get their orders out the door and delivered every day. Your customers don't have time to wait, and you don't have time to waste. So head to ups.com slash pivot and use the code SOAR, S-O-A-R, to start shipping and saving with UPS's fastest ground ever today. It 
If Russell and Mark wanted Sisu to grow, creating trade show demos and other one-off robot projects wasn't a great way to invest their limited time and resources. They needed to get some projects that would scale, and at least maybe some projects that had a demand greater than, well, one. Wisely, they had maintained a good relationship with National Instruments after they left, and so when the company needed help with a project, Russell got the call. He and Mark were tasked with building their first semiconductor test equipment project. They were successful, and that led to six years of design projects for National Instruments and steady enough income that Russell and Mark could move Sisu out of the garage. The work was good, but Russell and Mark wanted more. They kept coming back to their user experience issues with the robotics that had inspired them in the first place. People loved having robots do things for them, but they hate that robots were so hard to program and had very little ease of use. So Russell got to thinking. There's something we could make for them that would make this easier. And we thought, you know what, if we put a game controller in one hand and an iPad in the other hand, and we make this as easy to use as playing a video game, then we'll have something. This was their path forward, the easy-to-use plug-and-play robot that could work for just about anyone. They tinkered away at the idea until finally they thought they had something that could work. We created this product. We, we brought a cinematographer in to make a commercial for us. And kind of in the middle of it, he said, have you guys ever thought about putting a camera on a robot? And we said, no, Matt, that's not a thing. No one does that. And he said, no, it definitely is a thing. Because people bring in these robots, but they come in on a semi-truck, there's six guys, they need a big generator, they take all day to set it up, it takes all day to program it, maybe I get five to ten shots out of it, and then I got to pack it up. It's a pain, everybody hates it, it takes so much time on set, but there's certain shots you can only get with a robot, and so we use it. So what I've seen here is incredible, you can get these shots so much more quickly. Now, let's take a quick pause before we go any further. For all the non-cinematographers out there, you may be asking, why exactly is it better or easier to use a robot to film things? It seems at first glance that a human eye and touch is needed in such a creative endeavor as filming something for a commercial or a movie. But for certain shots, that's just not the case. The great thing about a robot is that they can move very precise and very fast, and they do it the same way every single time. So, for example, you've seen on, uh, you know, the commercials where the berries are falling down into the bowl of cereal, right? You can do that without a robot. You can take your camera and try to move it very quickly and put it on a, a slider or some other piece of equipment and try to get that. It's going to be kind of hard. You're not going to get it perfect the first time or the second time. You're going to shoot it all day long. And each time you're going to want to change just something little about it. Well, on a robot, you say, I want it to run just a tiny bit slower. You click a button and it's done. And you say, I want to release the strawberries a little bit earlier. And on a robot, you can time everything perfectly. So instead of taking all day to get that shot, you know, maybe you take a half hour to get that shot. Not to demystify how the sausage gets made for your favorite films, but let's take a look at what's known as a layering in a video shoot. In those action movies where you see multiple characters all fighting at the same time, Often those characters are all shot separately, and then all the footage of them is layered together to make it look like it's taking place all at once. To do that, you need to be able to move the camera exactly the same way across the set over and over again, with different things happening in the frame each time. That's where robots come into the picture. Pun very much intended. And so despite what Russell thought, yes, cameras on robots was very much a thing. So Russell and Mark thought they'd give it a go. 
they made a robot with a camera on it and decided to see what the people thought. We put it up on Instagram, and these aren't cheap. You know, they're more than $100,000, and we sold four of them. Maybe there is something here. Maybe this is a thing. We said, okay, but it's not, it's not ready yet. We really need to make this for a cinematographer. We need to change the interface completely on this iPad and make it really work for how cinematographers think to make it really easy for them. And so that kind of kicked off the cinema. We, we really pivoted. Russell and Mark put all their energy into making these cinema robots up to and then better than industry standard. They changed the color of their robots from orange to black. They designed the robots to sit on a stand that could fit easily through a doorway. They made the robot simple to use right out of the box. And speaking of that box, that actually brings up another new challenge the duo faced, as if that accomplishment of creating this robot technology hadn't been enough. Now that the robot existed, they had to actually get it into their consumers' hands. They needed an efficient way to ship the robots to their customers. These things are, they're not light. Uh, they're typically not small. So these arms, we sell different sizes, but the, the typical size can reach out maybe about six feet. We have some bigger ones that reach out 10 or 12 feet. So they're big, they're heavy. That's one of the challenges with cinema robots has just been moving them around. So how do you get something that's this big and this heavy and make it more mobile? How do you make it so you can ship it? And so we had some fun even designing the crates that these things would go on. Power is another thing that's very difficult. These usually run in big buildings with three-phase power, high voltage. What the customer knows is that there's a goofy outlet on the wall that doesn't look anything like what he usually plugs things into, right? And so he or she will be trying to figure out, how do I power up this robot? So we created this thing called the Smart Transformer. Basically, they get a little suitcase. They open it up. There's all these connectors in it. They just look at what the outlet looks like on the wall. They pick the plug out that matches that and stick it in. And the box figures everything else out. It figures out what kind of power is in the wall. It turns it into robot power and makes it very easy. So that's exciting for customers that are taking their robots from place to place and wondering, you know, I'm going to do a shoot inside this house. How do I power this big industrial robot? And say, well, do you have a, is there a dryer in that house? Yeah, there's a dryer. Well, unplug it and plug this in instead and you're good to go. These innovations took years of adjusting and testing out new versions and prototypes. But if we learned anything about Russell by now, it's that he won't stop until a problem, no matter how complex, is solved. And the result of that mindset has been incredible. Tell me about the impact that this has had for your customers, for your clients. Like, how have you heard back from them, like, this is changing the game? We've got a great customer in Ohio, and we sold them one of our first robots. And we called them up a few weeks later. We said, how's this going? Are you able to get these cool shots that you could never get before? And this guy's name's Paul. He says, yes, yes, we can get those shots. We love it for that. But what we didn't expect was that the things that we do all the time, we can now do much more quickly. I said, well, tell me what you mean. He said, well, we used to use our sliders and our tripods and all this equipment. So now we leave our camera on the robot 90% of the time. And it replaces this equipment and he, he said, there's a job we do every month. It takes three or four days. Now we get it done in an afternoon. And they're not a big company. They're a small company, great group of folks, very talented. But this lets them get a lot more work in a lot more quickly. He said, this has changed some of my photography clients into video clients. It's just really changed my business. 
When 11-year-old Russell was tinkering away on his old Ford, he wasn't dreaming of revolutionizing the cinematography industry. He just saw every problem as an opportunity, an opportunity to learn and to explore, which turned into opportunities to start a business or to pivot his already existing company. Whether it was creating revolutionary new robots for cinema or finding new ways to deliver those robots, Russell's eagerness to see each challenge differently has been the key to unlocking Sisu's success. Author Neil Donald Walsh put it this way, quote, Try to see no one and nothing as the enemy, or even the problem. Cultivate the technique of seeing all problems as opportunities. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.